Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Psalms 51, continuing on and wrapping up today in part four of our series. Psalms 51, verse 14. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. Of course, David is saying this because he shed blood, because he had Uriah killed, and so he's guilty of that. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. This, of course, speaks to what was happening uh, in, in this moment under the old covenant, how there were all of these sacrifices of animals that took place in order to cover the sins of the nation, in order to cover individual sins. There would be these different sacrifices of animals and their blood was for the cleansing of their sin. But David is making a distinguishing comment here. And he's, what, really what he's saying is this, God, you're not like delighting in the fact that these sacrifices are happening in and of themselves. But what you're really delighted in is the, the heart that can be behind it. That that's really what matters. It's not like, well, we did the sacrifice, that, that's, that's all God wants and that, that's good. No, no, he's saying, listen, listen. It's about the heart that's behind it. David is distinguishing the fact that you can make such a sacrifice and yet still not have your heart in the right place. And so your sacrifice is basically meaningless. In other words, it really is not an act of worship if your heart is not in the right place. How many know you can give, you can be a generous person uh, financially towards the kingdom of God and still not have a heart that is yielded to God, that really is about following him in your life. You, You can have time, take time to serve people, do things for people, And yet you can still have things in your life that you've not repented of, that you've not turned from. You can find ways to serve and and do all of these things and it may look good to people and yet you can have so much disorder going on inside of you. There can still be pride, there can still be independence, there can still be insecurity and stubbornness and all these things. None of the actions are wrong in and of themselves But these sacrifices don't cover for the fact that what God is really looking for is our heart being in the right place. And so he goes on to say that the real sacrifice of God is to give to him a broken spirit and a contrite heart. A broken spirit and a contrite heart. I'll talk for a few minutes about the contrite heart. The contrite heart really speaks about this, a genuine remorse for sin. A genuine remorse for sin. The Apostle Paul wrote letters to the Corinthian church and he called them out for some of the worst stuff that was going on, uh, you know, in the church and by way of sin. And he's addressing all of this. But then later he, he writes a follow-up letter to talk about how they responded to his original letter. And here's what he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 8. He says, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while, 
Now I'm glad that I sent it. Not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have so you were not harmed by us in any way for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin resulting in salvation. There is no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Just see what godly sorrow produced in you. Such earnestness, such concern to clear yourself, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, such a readiness to punish wrong. You showed that you have done everything necessary to make the right things, or make, rather, things right. Now, this is a description of what a contrite heart is really all about. It is a sorrow, as the Bible says, a godly sorrow that leads to repentance and salvation and a change in a completely different life. Whereas worldly sorrow, it says sorry, but it doesn't, it doesn't change. It's kind of like my grandkids. They were over the other day and, and they're about to leave and my wife asked them to you know, clean up the toys. And of course, the oldest one, just giving her, cleaning everything up. And, and uh, you know, the younger one, not so much. And she says, hey, how how come you're not you know, cleaning up your toys like your brother is? And she just looks up and goes, sorry. <laughs> she has zero intention of changing. <laughs> but she's sorry you don't like that. She's just gonna play with her toys and not clean up. So, but really that's what, that's what worldly sorrow is. It's like, well, I'm sorry I got caught, but there's not gonna be any change. Godly sorrow is about repentance that leads to salvation. And then, then he says, I'm gonna do everything I can to, you're doing everything you can to change. You're really proving that you've changed. Well, the other part of this sacrifice is a broken spirit. A broken spirit. What's that all about? What's he talking about there? In the Old Testament, anyone who sinned as David did had to receive a word from a priest or a prophet indicating that he was forgiven. Only then could that penitent person again take part in worship and make a peace offering. In the New Testament, the word of forgiveness is forever written in God's word. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from sin, 1 John 1, 7. Yet even in the New Testament, a believer must have a spirit broken of all self-assertion. He must acknowledge his need before God to find spiritual renewal and cleansing. It's from the Bible Knowledge Commentary. To describe a, a broken spirit, talk about what does it mean to have a broken spirit, probably the, the best visual I could give for you would be a horse, a horse. We refer to a horse as being broken or not. And when we say that the horse is broken, it's not damaged. I mean, that's, that's not what we're talking about. What we're saying is this, is that that horse stops bucking the rider off. It doesn't fight the bit and bridle. It's not self-willed. You know, it's not going into a fit every time a rider gets on it or struggling, you know, when a saddle is thrown over it and being tied to it. It follows the rider's lead. 
Once that horse is broken, it's at peace with the rider. It follows the rider's instructions. It yields to the prompting of the rider. It cooperates instead of fighting. It won't buck. In fact, the horse will even take on challenging, you know, uh, trails and situations of hills and water and whatnot. It moves at the speed that the rider wants it to move at. A horse that is, is broken is now sensitive to the instruction of the rider and can actually be taught and trained to move in, a, in the direction the rider wants to go just by the pressure of his knees against its side. It is so cooperative, it can be ridden well. A horse that is not broken absolutely cannot be. That broken horse serves to please the rider over its own ambitions and over its own thoughts. The broken spirit is yielded to the Lord because it has broken free from independence, from stubbornness, from self-will, and from pride. A broken spirit is free to follow God's leading in life. Now, what are the qualities of a broken spirit? Let's talk about that and describe that a little bit. First of all, a broken spirit makes it possible to be led by the Holy Spirit. A broken spirit makes it possible to be led by the Holy Spirit. In fact, I would say a broken spirit is like the foundation out of which you can grow in learning to be led by the Holy Spirit, learning to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, learning to be receptive to when the Holy Spirit is nudging you and prompting you to take steps and direction and faith and all the rest in your own life. I can remember as a teenager riding a particular horse that was in a field behind my home uh, as a child. And, and so, you know, I, I, was, I was probably a young teenager at that time. And so I would go over to that farm and, and, and ask, could I go ahead and ride the horse? And they gave me everything I needed and I'd get them all set up. But in this field that the horse was in, it was a pretty big field, but there was like this one corner where it had its water and where, where the farmer would give it its food. And so I would get on this horse and I, of course I wanted to go around the perimeter, you know, I wanted to do a bit of a, bit of a walk with it. And it was just a fight to get its attention, get its face away from the food and away from the water and get it in the direction. And then you're, you know, trying to get this thing moving. And the whole time, it, it, you're just like, I better not let this horse see another possible direction it can go. Because if it, if it kind of gets wind of, hey, I could go back, it wants to. And I would, I would just struggle to get this horse to the far end of the field. And then I wanted just to, you know, make a turn and, and then go over to the other side. Instead, what would often happen is I would turn, and, and as I turned, it would kind of catch out of its eye the spot it really wanted to be where the water and the food was, and it would beeline it back as fast as it could to get back to there, which was actually the fun part of the ride. But my point is, that horse was not easy to lead. It was a struggle and a fight the entire time. If you ever worked with people or had a responsibility where maybe you were managing people and uh, you're in charge of a group of them and, and any time that you had to announce a change, you kind of got a knot in your stomach because you knew there was that one person that was gonna fight you the whole time on it. I don't believe God gets a knot in his stomach, by the way, but I do believe there are times when God wants to lead us, but he can't because we're not easily led. The broken spirit is one that is broken free from things that would inhibit being led 
by God. It is the foundation of the leading of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know, when, when we're praying, when we're like, okay, God, I, I need to know what to do in this situation. I, I need some direction. You know, I, I need to have a sense of what I should do. I need an answer for this. I need wisdom, God, for me. When we're going to God in prayer like that, how many of you know something? We're not going to God for his suggestion. Come on. We're, we're not going, we're not like, well, God, I'm just wondering what your opinion is. I mean, I've got my friend's opinion, my spouse's opinion. I wonder what you think. That is not the posture of receiving from God. That's not the posture of being led by the Holy Spirit, receiving from, how many know when you go before God, you're going before the throne? Come on. You're not going before the coffee shop with your buddy sitting across from the table. You're in front of the throne of the King of Kings and God doesn't give suggestions, he gives commandments. It's called the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. And that's the posture that we're to relate to God with is that you are the King of Kings. If I'm going to you in prayer over my life, if I'm making decisions, if I'm wondering is what it is you want me to do, what direction I'm to take, what am I called to do, how am I to live, and all the rest of it, our posture needs to be that of servant to king, not buddy at the coffee shop. Come on. God's not about to speak to you his suggestion. That is disrespect towards heaven if you treat God like he's to give you a suggestion for you to go home and consider. No, instead you're to have a spirit of honor, a spirit of submission, a broken spirit, one that says, God, I've got one agenda, is to please you. I wanna know what it is I need to do to please God in my life. And when, when we have that kind of spirit about us, you know, it's just, it keeps it from being difficult for the Holy Spirit to work with us. Why? Because hearing from God is unfiltered. Uh, the excuses have been dropped. It's not argumentative. There, there's no competing agenda. We're, we're not all about people pleasing. We're not about, well, I wonder what they're gonna think. I wonder what they're gonna think. We're not trying to accommodate, rather, competing interests. Uh, you know, we're not all boundaried with limitations. We don't have divided interests. Philippians chapter two, or, ch or chapter one rather, verse 27 says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith which is the good news. One spirit, one purpose. No, no divided interests. No, it's not an independent spirit. It's not a, a my way kind of an attitude. It's not watching and criticizing either. Instead, it's participating and supporting. How many know something? That's the way the kingdom of God is. That's the way church life is meant to be. God has called you with purpose. God has gifted you. We are called servants of the Lord. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And so there's a place for you in God's house. There's a place of service. There's no particular spot where it's like, okay, this is the spectator department. We don't, we don't have that. We don't have a team called spectators. Why? Because if you become a spectator, eventually you become a critic. How many know all those people that sit in the stands in a hockey game? All know better how to play that puck than anybody on that ice. They're just constantly giving their opinion. Why? Because they're spectators and spectators become critics. You've got to become a participator to fulfill the call of God on your life. 
Philippians chapter two and verse two. Then make my joy complete, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. One in spirit and one mind. You can't catch what God is trying to do in your life if your interests are divided. Second thought, a broken spirit means I'm intentional about the will of God for my life. I'm intentional about the will of God for my life. You know, the, the approach to God's will isn't passive. It's not a, a disposition of, well, if it's God's will, it'll just happen. Nope, it's not biblical. Well, you know, whatever happens, it must have been the will of God. Nope, that's not biblical either. There are plenty of things that happen and don't happen in the world today that are not part of the will of God. Sin isn't part of the will of God, but it happens. Crime isn't the will of God, but it happens. The scripture tells us that it's God's desire, in other words, God's will for what? None to perish, everybody to come to repentance and the knowledge of the truth, to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, but we know that not everybody does that. Listen, we're called to be Christ followers. When Jesus met his disciples, he didn't say this to them. He didn't meet them and go, would you just believe in me? And then walk away. No, what did he do? He said, follow me, follow me. To be a Christian means you become a Christ follower. Just, just think of that term for a moment, Christ follower. That means you're choosing to follow Jesus in every area of your life. The will of God for your life doesn't just happen because you believe in Jesus. The will of God happens because you choose to follow Jesus. And the broken spirit isn't passive about the will of God. It's very intentional about seeking the purposes of God. Just consider some of the, the prayers and scriptures of the Bible. Jesus's prayer before he goes to the cross. What was his prayer before he went to the cross? Not my will, but yours be done. In other words, you can say, well, theologically, we understand it was Jesus's purpose to go to the cross and die and raise from the grave. That's great. But Jesus was both God and man. And in his humanity, he realized, I don't want to do this. And actually had to make a decision that he expressed in prayer to the heavenly father to say, I don't want to do this, but it's your will, so I will. How I many you know there's prayers like that that we need to pray as well? How about the Lord's Prayer? The Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why would Jesus tell us to pray intentionally asking for God's will to happen if God's will is just gonna happen anyway? Doesn't make sense. He asks us to pray for God's will to happen knowing that his will can get missed in our lives. And so he says, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How about the Lord's command? Luke chapter nine, verse 23. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Denying yourself, by the way, isn't the same as self-denial. Self-denial is when you walk by the elephant ear truck and go, mm, no, no, not me. I'm going to watch my way. That's, that's called a self-denial right there. 
And then you backslide and you go buy an elephant's ear. But at any rate, moving on. But denying yourself is the choice to set aside your thoughts, your opinions, and your desires to choose the way of Jesus. It's this intentional prioritization of pursuing, following Jesus. But, it, but it's, like, it's like Jesus already knows that his will is gonna conflict with your humanity and with your will. And he knows it because it happened to him. And so he, he puts this in the scripture where he says, well, if you're gonna follow me, this is the way it is. You're gonna end up denying yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. The broken spirit is free from shallow agendas and self-centered ambition, void of eternal purpose. Instead, it has one singular purpose and focus at heart to live to please the Lord. That's what it's all about. It's about being intentional to seek God and then to act out of out of that place of seeking. It's about getting hungry to know God, getting hungry to have God's will in your life, to wanna to fulfill the purpose for which he has put you on the planet. It's about asking God to use you and then stepping out into opportunity and conversations that are going to make a difference. In John 7, 17, Jesus says this, if anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. That little phrase, willing to do his will. That's what the broken spirit is all about. It is broken free from independence, selfish ambition, other agendas, and it's in a place of willing to do his will. You know, so just reflected on the Lord's prayer and, and what it says, here, here's, here's, there's two problems with the, with the Lord's prayer. Here's what they are. The first one is, is that you may have prayed it so many times, you just have it memorized and you can, you can say it off the top of your head without it really connecting with your heart, right? It can just become kind of a memorized poem, if you will. But here's the second, the second issue that happens, and that is this, is that we can often be praying the Lord's prayer thinking about everything else around us. And so we're praying, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth. Oh, Lord, there's so many problems. We pray over this problem. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, we pray over that problem. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, we pray over this situation. Your kingdom come. Can I tell you, the starting place of praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, is right here. It's you. It's praying that prayer for yourself. That's the intention of the Lord's prayer. It's not, I mean, it's great to pray for neighborhoods, great to pray for cities, great to pray for countries and what's going on around the world. That's all awesome. But the starting place of this prayer is about you praying for you. It's you praying for you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's the heart of the broken spirit. And the end result is this, is vision. Because you can't spend time with God without him filling your heart with vision and passion to make a difference, to use your life. You spend time with Jesus, I promise you, the Holy Spirit is gonna put vision in your heart to make a difference. It's not like, well, we're just gonna come together and praise for praise sake because it feels good to sing, or we're gonna come together and, you know, and, and get into the word because we just want more knowledge from the Bible or any, all these sort of things that we do to grow our faith. Let me tell you, if you're really spending time with Jesus, I promise you, God's gonna put mission inside of your heart. He's gonna put a sense of purpose, a sense of how can I make a difference? This isn't just about me, but it's also about what God wants to do through me. Here's the last one. A broken spirit is yielded, but not damaged. A broken spirit is yielded, but not damaged. You know, 
A broken spirit is not the same as a broken person. A broken spirit isn't damaged, but a broken person is. Broken person may have lost hope. Uh, they may need recovery and healing. They live in pain they're dealing with. There's something about their life that has a sense of dysfunction and disrepair to it that, that needs to be healed, needs to be fixed. And the thing is, you, you can be a broken person and yet still not have a broken spirit. That is, you can be a broken person, but you're still not really yielded to God because a broken spirit is yielded to God. That's the description of it. That's, that's what it's all about. There's a difference between being broken and being hurt. You see, you can't live a yielded life and have unresolved hurts from your past. The wounds or the offenses of your yesterday will speak into your today. And you're, you're not going to God with a, clear, a clean slate, if you will, or a clear conscience. You're going to God with all of these factors that are unresolved, and now you're trying to pray, now you're trying to be led by the Holy Spirit, now you're trying to live out the purposes of God. But there's all this interference, if you will, that's happening. Perhaps there's fears that you've never addressed from your, your past, and, and now you're like going to the Lord about what it is I'm to do with my life, but I'm so full of fear, I, I won't even take a step that involves trusting God. Maybe you've got anger uh, in your life and, and bitterness and, and stuff this because of things in the past. Well, that's totally interfering with your ability to follow Jesus and your ability to be like Jesus and how you treat other people because this keeps coming up in your life. Maybe it's about boundaries. You know, there's diff a difference between having boundaries and being a boundaried person. And sometimes people just become a, a boundary kind of a person with all kinds of protective barriers and limits of what they will do, what they won't do. And, and I don't want my life interrupted and disrupted and all the rest of it and, and kind of live this, this sort of life. But you know, the truth of the matter is, and if you'll read through the gospels, you'll find that much of Jesus's ministry happened in the context of being spontaneous, spontaneous rather, and interruption. Jesus is going somewhere, it's, it's, it's on his phone, it's on his calendar, okay, we're gonna go do this. But along the way, something happens, comes across somebody, gotta set aside the calendar, need to go ahead and take care of this situation, and then something powerful would happen, and then it gets written down and put in the Gospels to be read for, you know, forever, for the rest of eternity. That was Jesus living an unboundaried life. It's not like he didn't have a schedule and an agenda, but he had a freedom to him where God could just lead him, the Holy Spirit could just lead him in the moment to be used by God to make a difference in somebody's life. That's how we should live. Or maybe it's offense. You know, offended people are just constantly on the move, job to job, relationship to relationship, whatever it may be. It's like the guy who they found in down the Pacific, he's on a little island, he's all by himself, all by himself. And finally, a ship shows up and they find him and, and he's showing them around the island and there's three huts. He said, what are the three huts for? He goes, well, that hut, that's my home. He goes, that hut over there? He says, that's my church. Well, what's the third hut? He goes, oh, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> Here's another interruption. And it's Failure. Failure. Failure has a way of creating limits in us if we don't process it properly. If we don't take failure in life 
and use it as education, it can become like a tombstone. It can become just something that just sort of says, this far and no further. And everybody who's done anything of any significance in life has their stories of failure before their story of triumph. But if you don't proper, properly handle failure, it will mess with you. I wanna read you one last scripture before we close. Philippians chapter three and verse 13. Paul says this, brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Now, think about that. Here's what Paul did not say. He didn't say forgiving what lies behind. He said, I'm forgetting what lies behind. In other words, I've gone through some things that didn't go as well as I wish they would have. They didn't happen like I was hoping they would happen. It, they, they didn't work out. I've, I, you know, I've, I've prayed some prayers. I had some expectations of what I thought God would do and, and it didn't work out the way that I, I thought God would do it. And, and so I've gone through some things and he says, the key to it is I've learned I need to forget what lies behind so that I'll press forward. And here's the thing. If you don't forget what didn't work out the way you thought it should, it'll inhibit your faith to believe for what God does wanna do in your world. If you look at the prayers that didn't get answered the way that you thought they should get, if you don't forget those, here's what'll happen. It'll keep you from praying in faith for the next miracle that you need. And the reason you won't receive that miracle is because you didn't ask. But God was waiting to bring about that miracle in another situation. There are things in life that we need to embrace, that we need to go for, we need to press in from, and our failure was just part of the learning process to where the Holy Spirit could finally say, okay, now, and we, and we can say, well, this is a similar situation. No, it's not the same, I'll tell you why. Because in your failure, you learn some things that you would never do again, and you learn some things that you would do differently and you take that with your faith into your next circumstance and you're a different person and that's why it works out. Paul said, I've learned, forget the failures, forget what didn't work out, forget the unanswered prayer, forget the expectations that didn't, didn't get met the way I thought that they should have so that I keep pressing on with what God has for my future and I can see the miracle and the blessing of what he'll do in the future. Listen, I'm just gonna wrap up by saying this. For us to come here and plant this church, we had to forget the churches that didn't work out. Stand to your feet, let's take time to pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the fact that God, you do have great purpose and intention for our lives. But Lord, I thank you as well, God, that you work in the context of an offering of a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Jesus, I pray for each of us that that would be our spirit, that would be our heart, that, that Lord, that there wouldn't be distraction, there wouldn't be selfish ambition, there wouldn't be other agendas, but Lord, that we really would present to you a broken spirit, one that is open to your will, and one that is hungry to follow you. Lord, I, I pray that that would be the spirit, that would be the attitude 
that we would connect with you. I pray as well for people here today, Lord, that need to forget what lies behind. Lord, people that look at the failures of their past, maybe even personal failure, and need to forgive themselves, let go, and move on. In fact, in this moment, I wanna, I wanna pray for you. I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna give you time to process. And if, if that's kind of ringing true in your heart, you're like, I got something to forget then let's go to God with that. Let's do that right now. How many here would say, Pastor, you know what? I got something to forget. Just give me a wave. I got something to forget. There's a lot of us here. It's just life. That's why there's a lot of us here. So let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, just like the Apostle Paul, I choose to forget what lies behind I won't let it limit me for my future. Thank you, God, that you haven't given up on me. So I release the past. I embrace faith towards you and expectation for the future you have for me. Thank you, my life is not a write-off. I have a future in Jesus, in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and what hasn't happened in you is, as we talk about this broken spirit, it's that place of, of a surrender to Jesus where you're not just believing that he's a savior, which he is, but you're making that decision to be a Christ follower because that's what we're called to do. We're called to follow Jesus. But if there's never been that surrender in your life, if you haven't lived that out, then here's what happens is, is you become disillusioned in what you think is your Christianity because you're like, well, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not experiencing some of the things I hear about. Well, here's why. Because you just have religion, but you don't have relationship with Christ. The only way you get relationship is surrender, broken spirit, let go of the agendas, Make Christ your agenda. Make following Jesus to be what your life is all about and be intentional about seeking him for your future. And so today, if that's not happened for you, you know that's not right in you, you can make it right in this prayer, in this conversation with God right here, right now. And surrender your heart. Say, Lord, I'm not just gonna believe in you, but I'm positioning my life to follow you. With their heads bowed, how many here would say, Pastor, I need that prayer today. Can you give me a wave? That's you. I need to pray that kind of prayer of surrender today. Let's pray with those who are praying, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Savior of the world and my Savior. I ask you to forgive my past and I confess you as the Lord of my life and I'll follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.